0: As we think of letting the Lord have his way, I'm reminded of what we started to learn about last week in the fruits of the Spirit. And as we let the Lord have his way, that's the Spirit of God living in us will bring forth fruits, right? So let's review what these fruits are. Last week we learned about... Which one's next? Say it all together. There we go. And now we have meekness and temperance. But before we dive into those, let's pray together. Our gracious and good God, we give thanks to you this morning for your Holy Spirit. The Spirit you have shed abroad in the hearts of all those who trust in you. May we live in your spirit day by day and in our families. May we yield to your spirit. May we be filled with your spirit. May we not just live in your spirit, but walk in your spirit. And dear spirit of God, we pray that you would bring forth these fruits in our lives, that we might see them, that we might bear them as you do this work in us. We ask that you will now teach us and help us to understand, not just to understand, but to apply, and that you might be glorified in all things. We seek you now, and we pray these things in your name. Amen. Well, we have the fruits of the Spirit. Now, these are things, just to review, that as we let the Spirit of God live inside of us, he will bring forth in our lives. And against these things, there's no law. You won't find any law against true love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, or temperance. There's no law against these things. These are all good things. And these things are all the fruits of the Spirit in contrast to something we learned about in Galatians chapter 5 last week called the works of the what? The works of what? The works of the flesh. Hmm. And we saw that those involved all kinds of bad things and things that there are laws against. But you see, for the Christian, the one who believes in Jesus, who's been saved, The Spirit of God moves in and lives inside of you, lives inside of you and me. And so we do not need to continue living in the works of the flesh and sin and disobedience and evil, but we can let the Spirit of God bring forth these things in our lives. And I'd like to just pick up where we left off last week because these are words and these are fruits that perhaps we've seen all the time. And we've heard these words and we know these things, but do we really understand them and do we really apply them? I'd like to continue as we did last week and talk about what some of these things look like in your families, in your homes, in your life and in my life. Are these there? And also, as we talked about last week, if they're not there, that's an evidence that there's a problem, isn't there? If they're not there, there's a problem. We may not be able to say a specific piece of, well, this is there, and and I'd be able to particularly identify it in certain situations, but we can identify that peace isn't there, which means there's other problems. Do you see? And so I'd like to continue on, because last week we didn't get to do with the last two, but before we go on to the last two, I asked you all last week, through the week, to be thinking about these and to be thinking of ways in which these can be brought forth. This fruit can be harvested in your homes. And so before we dive in, does anybody have on any of these some further ideas or thoughts and how these are manifest or how these can be applied or lived in the home, in the family? Anybody have any thoughts right off? Okay, well, we will continue on then. If you look in your Bibles, turn to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. Can you read it with me? Galatians 5, 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, against such there is no law. We need to work on our sword drills around here, don't we? Turn faster. Now you all got it? Because I felt like I was reading all by myself. Have you gotten there? Let's try it again and let's read it together. Galatians 5, 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no wall. And then I'll keep reading these other verses because they're important. And they that are Christ's have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. That means they're dead, they're mortified, they're dead, they're gone, they're crucified. If we live in the Spirit, because all those who have believed in Jesus are crucified in the flesh, you might say, and are alive unto God and live in the Spirit. So if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not be desirous of vainglory, provoking one another, envying one another. Those are not good things. But rather, let us live and walk in the Spirit of God. And we saw these here. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith. And now we have meekness. Meekness. Let's see if we can fit meekness on here. M, e, e, k, n. E S S. Did I spell it right? Go oh, good. Meekness. Now I wonder, how many of you have memorized the fruits of the Spirit before? Oh, yes. Now I won't ask you to raise your hand, but I want you to ask yourself this question Do you know what that word means? Do you know what meekness means? Well, if it's one of the fruits of the Spirit, that means it must be pretty important. And let me give you a clue. It's really important. But what is it? What does it look like? Now, you see we're looking at fruits here. How many of you know what an apple is? Oh my, there's some of you who don't know what apples are? Wow. That's, that's, wow, that's worse than not knowing what meekness is. We know what apples are, right? How many of you know what oranges are? Oh, good. Um, How many of you know what dragon fruit is? Oh, good. But some of you don't. Let's see, how many of you know, I don't know if this counts as a fruit, how many of you know what durian is? Oh, some of you do, but most of you don't. You know why most of you don't? Because it stinks awful. And most of the time, there's some countries that even ban it. It's not even allowed in the country. It's such a stinky fruit. Well, you might say, well, meekness can't be compared to a stinky fruit. But um, you might say you need to know your fruits. And, you know, we think of, you know, love. That's kind of like the apples and the joy is the oranges. And we know those, Right? are very common to us, and perhaps this one is a little bit more like the dragon fruit or the pomegranate. You can't always just go into the grocery store and always find it there, but let me tell you, in our lives, it shouldn't be that way. In our lives, these should be as common as the apple is, these should be as common, and we should know what they are as much as we know what apples are and what oranges are and what bananas are, especially in our generation and society of those fruits. So what is meekness? Well, it carries the idea of being strong. Very strong. Let me tell you, there's some strong people in the world. And the stronger you are, the more you need meekness. Because meekness is not just being strong. Meekness is being strong under control. Meaning that somebody comes and does something mean to you, and you could just punch the lights out of them, right? Because you're strong, that wouldn't be meek. See, meekness is not just being strong, it's being strong and having that strength under control. But it carries another piece to it. Not just is it strong that is controlled, it is strong that is gentle. And you might think, wait a minute, those don't go together. Oh, yes, they do. Oh, yes, they do. Did you know that the stronger a person is, the more gentle they ought to be? They need to be meek. They need to be strong, but a controlled strength that is gentle. But then, that's not the only meaning that meekness has. It it has another idea. It has the idea of being under incredible pressure. Now, this is interesting because this is a character. This is a fruit of the Spirit that is needed by all people in power, all people who are strong, because it's not just being in control of the strength. It's not just being gentle in the strength, but it's being all of those things with amazing pressure. Now, some of us don't know what it means to have pressure, but imagine that you were one who, um, who was a very strong person in your job and you had lots of work to do, and yet everyone was picking on you. Everyone was demanding hard things from you. Things that were really hard to do. Things that required more strength, more power than you have. And they were demanding it, demanding it, demanding it. And they didn't necessarily have meekness. They had a lot of power. They had a lot of strength. And they're pushing it all on you, on you, on you. And you could because you have the strength to fight back. But if you are meek, you won't fight back. Your strength, your power will respond to that other power, that other pressure with gentle strength that's controlled. Meekness is perhaps one of the most, in some ways, complementary to everything else that's going on in all of this. And all the other fruits. See, all these fruits, they all work together. They all work together. Meekness is needed in, in places where there's a lot, of, a lot of pressure. You know, moms and dads, when we discipline our children, we need meekness. Yeah, we have strength. We can make them do it, right? Well, no. How do we? Do we have A gentle, controlled strength under pressure. Now, some of you kids might think, well, that sounds like a big grown up concept. You're right. It's a big grown up concept. But it's really important for you to begin to know what it means when you're little because as you get bigger, as you get stronger, not just physically, but in influence. In authority, you need meekness. You remember Moses? How many of you know who Moses is? Oh, good. Moses was a prophet of God who led the children of Israel out of Egypt into the wilderness where they were given the law of God and then towards the promised land, but they disobeyed, so they wandered in the wilderness for 40 long years before entering the promised land. Moses needed a lot of meekness. He needed a lot of controlled, gentle strength under amazing pressure. Now, can we pick on Moses? There's a very, 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 very famous occasion which Moses lost his meekness. (sighs) He was holding that rod and the people frustrated him. The pressure was overwhelming that instead of doing what God told him to do, and that is speak to the rock, he smote the rock. And sometimes we look at it and say, he lost his meekness, and that would be accurate, he did. But you realize that was just one instance recorded for us over a period of 40 years. Some of us would have snapped on day one and let our strength and our might just out on. At least even Moses, in that case, didn't beat the people, he beat the, the, the rock. Meekness is a strength, it's a power that is gentle, that is controlled, even in the midst of really stressful pressure times. So I wonder, what's that look like in the family? We see it very common in society where we get these pressures, but how does it come in the home? One area is discipline. Ethan? as meekness being a pushover? Oh, so is meekness being a pushover? No, let me show you right in this very context how it's not. Look at Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6. So here we have the fruits of the Spirit in verse 22, and then it continues on, and I, I'm sorry, y'all, I don't like chapter divisions. They cause a lot of trouble because we miss important pieces. Here it goes on, it says, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault... Ye which are spiritual, what does it mean to be spiritual? I'll give you a clue. To be spiritual is one who is filled with the Spirit, bringing forth the fruits of the Spirit. That's what it means to be spiritual. To be filled with the Spirit, bringing forth the fruits of the Spirit. So if you see a brother who's overtaken in a fault, it doesn't mean you're supposed to be a pushover. Just let it go or let other people plow over you. Ye which are spiritual, key word, restore such a one. Restore such a one. That means that somebody is doing something wrong or has done something wrong, and there is a broken relationship between he and you, between he and the church, between he and God, or all together. And so restore that one. That means restore, make, repair, that broken relationship. Restore such an one and look here in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. So, I would actually suggest to you, Ethan, that meekness is the exact opposite of being a pushover. Meekness is actually having that strength that is the perfect amount of power and strength balanced with gentleness and balanced in the midst of it all. So it's, it doesn't mean you just lay down and let yourself be trampled or you let something just go, go, go. It's the reason why earlier when we were talking about the question of, of sometimes when there is this long suffering, last week I mentioned this, when there's long suffering, this one you could maybe argue is being a pushover. But this is the reason why long suffering is mixed with meekness. They're together. Even in the midst of the suffering long, which you could say is that pressure, there still remains that strength, but that strength has a gentleness to it. So you can't neglect the idea of strength while you focus on the idea of gentle. You you think, you think of a father who is righteous and good and caring for a child, the father is strong and able to do, do things to help his child. But yet in that, he needs to be gentle. Do you see how that's so balanced? So meekness, yes, there's a sense in it. I've heard that. It's in, I thank you for bringing it up because I've heard that idea, you know, oh, meekness is almost like derogatory. It's not that. It actually is speaking of one who has amazing strength and power. But that strength and power is used in gentle, controlled manner. So, thank you. Did that answer your question? How might that look? What would that look like in a home? Can you see that working out in a home? Can you see meekness working out in a home? Yes. She speaks of teaching children who are young, and it can be very frustrating sometimes with them. And yet the parents are the big, strong ones, right? So the parents who are the big and the strong ones need to have meekness and patience in working with and in teaching the younger ones, the smaller ones. Very, very, very good. Meekness. Any other applications that you can think of? Yes, Mrs. Kinsey. Yes, yes, the older ones and the bigger ones of children, when they're playing, that they be careful not to let their strength overwhelm and hurt the little ones. That's, all, that's an important place to learn it, isn't it? To know what, even when you're having fun playing, playing and sometimes roughhousing. You know, sometimes I tell my kids, kids, it's good for I'm glad to see you're all having fun, but if somebody gets hurt... Be knowing right now that what you're doing, you're being too rough. Somebody might get hurt, so you might want to back off. Sometimes I don't tell them to stop because you never know where that line is at, but um, that could be an aspect of meekness. Yes, sir. Yes. So, as you have authority, have meekness in that authority. Yes, very good. Anyone else? Okay. Well, look here. We have love. Say them with me. Love, joy, peace, long suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness. And what's the next one? Temperance. Let's see if we can do this. All right. T-E-M-P-E-R-A-N-C-E. That's a big word. Temperance. I like this word. But let me ask, how many of you, when you hear the word temperance, you think of people who have an alcoholic problem? Oh, really, just only a few of you. Be honest. Really, that's all of you? Okay. Typically, we think of temperance or as relating to one who, who is controlling their alcoholism. And this is one reason why some people have come and said and thought of this word. This isn't, a, have thought, this isn't an, uh, the best um, translation here and so they've changed it well this actually does involve people who struggle with alcohol but let me on a little secret it involves every single part of your life temperance involves every single part of your life it's actually a little bit connected to meekness Here is what the Greek word translated as temperance actually, literally means. To be under control. To be under control. Now, some Bibles will translate temperance as self-control. I struggle with that. Because in the Greek, the original Bible, in the original language, there's no Greek word for self. It simply is the word for being under control. And so introducing the word self, I believe actually messes with this. It's not about self-control. It's about spirit control it's about the holy spirit of god having control of every aspect of my spirit body and soul it's about my whole being being under the control of the spirit now let me tell you that will include self-control that includes self-control but it's a whole lot more than just that. There's another word we use in English that's kind of connected to this. Have you ever heard of someone being temperamental? Being temperamental is the exact opposite of having temperance. Temperamental is, is that just this impacts you and it throws you this way, typically in your emotions and how we use it. And then something else happens and you're thrown this way and you can never really know when something happens how a person is going to respond or what we might say flip out. Flip out of control. Either in their motions, and emotions or their attitudes or their fists or their drinking or their drugs, or anything. We as people tend to be temperamental. But when we are bringing forth the fruits of the Spirit, we will have temperance. This is not an obsolete word. This is a very relevant word, and we use the roots of this in a whole lot of different contexts. Have you ever heard of tempered steel? How many of you heard of tempered steel? Some of you. How many of you have heard of tempered glass? How many of you heard of tempered chocolate? Not so many. That one was a new one for me. But it's funny. I saw some people raise their hands who didn't raise their hands for steel and um, glass, but they raised it for chocolate. So you see, we had different groups. What does that mean, tempered steel, tempered glass? tempered chocolate. Well, it means the same thing that's going on here. It means that they have dealt with those materials in a controlled way to bring about a controlled result that often has a long-term controlled response. I'll illustrate it for you. I have some tempered steel. Do you know that the best swords are made of tempered steel so they have created this blade and they have used heat and the process of the heat to make this blade for this blade to be controlled to be under control and here's what's fascinating is that in the manufacturing of this blade the process was under controlled because if it wasn't the end product wouldn't be under control I'll give you an illustration of how this steel is under control. You see, this is designed to be, you know, you're fighting. It's hitting other swords, it's hitting other armor. It has to have the right amount of tension. It has to have the right amount of temper, control. So you see this sword here. Look at this. This is a tempered blade. I can take it and I can bend it like this. And you know what? It's straight it goes right back to the way it should be. That's because this blade has been tempered. So as it is bent, it comes back to true. It's designed that way. Well, guess what? This sword costs a little bit more than this one. You know what this one is? This one's stainless steel that has some degree of tempering, but not much. Guess what? This isn't tempered. I'm actually a little bit hesitant to do this because you see as I'm doing this, the blade is actually bending. Yes, it is returning a little bit, but if you look at it, can you see that? This is not a tempered blade. This was not put through the extreme controlled process that this blade was put through. And so here now when I bend it, I have just bent it. So you know, I gotta figure out how to bend it back straight. You would never go into battle with this. Kids, I know some of you are tempted to play swords with these swords. These are not battle swords. The stainless steel, if you're fighting, this will break. And it isn't going to be pretty when it breaks. Even when I'm doing this demonstration, I'm using a glove just in case we snap. And I'm actually, you know, didn't put it on my head either. This sword is out of control. This sword is temperamental. This sword is tempered. This one is out of control when it's brought to its extremes. This one is under control. So which kind of sword are you? Well, if the Holy Spirit is living inside of you, you will be tempered. You will be under control. When you are tested, when you are tried, you will be under control. You're not gonna be that one that you handle with gloves. This one here, it bent, warped. I'm gonna have to figure out a new way to straighten it here and get it back. It's not tempered, this one is tempered. So you need to be under control. How many of you said you knew about tempering chocolate? I never knew about this. It's actually really cool. I have some chocolate up here. I have three different grades of chocolate. Can you guess the grades? I have Baker's chocolate. I have Hershey's chocolate. I got these from the leftover Father's Day gifts. And then I have, I don't know how to pronounce this, but this more expensive chocolate. These chocolates are all chocolate. They're different kinds of chocolate. Do you know which one's tempered? The high-end chocolate. And what it means basically is that it went through a particular process of controlled heat throughout a period of a process to result in a particular structure of crystallization of the fats and proteins in the chocolate. It's actually really fascinating. Have you ever gotten a chocolate bar, and it's funny, this one here has it, and you opened it up, and you see it's got all those swirls on it, all that swirling, and it just kind of looks kind of not so good. Can you all see that? Okay. This is baking chocolate. It's your cheapest chocolate. It hasn't been tempered. It hasn't gone through that heating process of precision and back and back. It hasn't been tempered. And so this is the low-end, low-grade chocolate that you're welcome to temper if you want to. Then you go up to a Hershey's bar and see, I'm going to need somebody to help me eat this. Normally, I didn't think candy bars were this hard to open. Shows how often I eat a candy bar. Here we have, you notice this one? It's got the smooth texture. But then look, when we break it, it's just a gentle breaking, nice and soft and gentle. This has been tempered, but nothing like the high-end chocolates. Check out this one. This one here is dark chocolate, so it's darker. But you see, it has a cleaner look. And then watch, when you break it, did you hear that? It snapped. Did you all hear that? That's a tempered chocolate that went through a particular controlled process so that it could have a controlled effect. That probably means nothing to you. But you see all these different pieces? The chocolate in its process was under a particular controlled manner so that in the end, it would stay nice, silky, and smooth, and clear like this one with a particular crystallization and not do what this bar did tempering prevented these chocolates from doing what this one did. Here, the crystallization all went crazy. All the different proteins and crystals in it all were able to just do whatever they wanted. Not quite, but most part. Whatever they wanted in the chocolate, and it resulted in this. But in this one here, it was very controlled. So what kind of chocolate are you? Are you a tempered chocolate, meaning you're under control? Or everything just went crazy. Maybe that speaks to some of you people who know about tempering chocolate. So we've seen tempered steel. We've seen tempered chocolate. Have you ever seen tempered glass? You know what tempered glass is? Well, let me show you some normal glass. This is just a pane of some normal glass. Now, imagine that this was on one of the doors here in the building. All of our doors here have windows, right? And all of those windows are not normal glass. You wanna know why they're not normal glass? They're all made out of tempered glass. They're made out of tempered glass because the glass has been manufactured in a precise, controlled way so that if and when it breaks, it breaks in a controlled manner. And if all of the doors had this kind of glass, it would actually be very dangerous. Let me show you how. Here's just a piece of glass. Do you see this? If you came running through a door and it busted like that, imagine what this would do if it slit your artery or if it slit your vein. You'd bleed to death in just a few minutes. But our doors don't have this kind of glass. Neither do your cars. See, this is filled with all kinds of very disturbing glass. This is tempered glass. So this glass was made for a car. And it was manufactured with precise heat in a precise way to accomplish a controlled response. So its manufacturing process was controlled, and not only was its manufacturing process controlled, it was done so for the particular reason of if it was ever broken, for example, you get in a car wreck and there's broken glass, it would not be super dangerous like this. You see, this would slit you open. This would kill you very easily. If you were to look at this up here, if your arm or your head were to have gone through this glass, you probably would be dead within a few minutes. So we don't put this kind of glass in cars. It needs to... This glass is temperamental. If you don't believe me, come up here and look up here. This glass is super temperamental when it breaks. It just goes like scary berserk. That's the reason why we use... Tempered glass, glass that is under control. What does it do? Well, let's see. Boy, that was a bigger deal than I thought it would be. (laughs) And you think, boy, that looked temperamental. But it wasn't temperamental. You see, I'm actually picking up this glass, it is broke in a very controlled manner. This here, in fact, I'm maybe crazy for doing this, but you know, I don't have as big of a problem picking up this glass with my bare hands. I wouldn't do that with the shards that are in there. Over here, all this glass. This is this is glass. It's been broken into precise small pieces that don't carry those sharp edges. I would never think of doing this with the temperamental glass. But this glass is controlled. It's tempered. Do you see how it broke there? It was designed to break just like that. Again, you would never think of doing this with temperamental glass. Never think of it. But with tempered glass, you can because it has been designed in a very controlled way so that it breaks in a very controlled way. So the same is true in the fruits of the Spirit. When someone comes up to you and, you know, takes their little poker and pokes you, are you temperamental? Well, if you're walking in the flesh, I guarantee you that you're temperamental. But if you are walking in the Spirit and he bringing forth the fruits of the Spirit in your life, you will be like the tempered glass, the tempered steel. You will have temperance. You'll be under control. You'll be under control. So this morning, how do we live that way in our families? You know, you see this here, and it looks like it just, you know, was out of control. But really, it responded in that same way. And and here, this glass, it was crushed. But the point of it is that it was under control. It did exactly as it was designed to do. The process of manufacturing that glass, you can still hear it over here. The process of manufacturing that glass was precisely so that it would break in a safe way. When people push your buttons, is there temperance or is there temperamental? What that that be? Are you temperamental or do you have temperance? The issue is, are you under control? Are you under control? Now, self-control is a good thing and it's not a bad thing. But let me tell you, self-control, that is not spirit control, is temperamental. It will be temperamental no matter how strong it is. It will still be temperamental. We all need the Spirit of God to fill us so that we can be not temperamental, out of control, flip out, but truly under control. Can we live that way? We sure can. But we need the Spirit of God's help to do just And I need you all to practice some temperance for me here as we wrap up. Because um, my pool didn't do what I thought it would do. (laughs) So I need you to all practice temperance in staying away from the front of the auditorium until we can get this thing cleaned up here. All right? So that means you control yourself or let the Spirit of God control you to stay away from the front so we can clean up this mess up here, okay? But then, may this be a reminder to you that all in through the life, when somebody's pushing your buttons, you know, they don't have something scary like this pushing your buttons, but when they're pushing your buttons, are you not only living in the Spirit, but also walking in the Spirit and under His control? No matter how strong you are, if you do not have Spirit-filled meekness, and spirit-filled temperance, you're a disaster waiting to happen. We need the Spirit of God. Yes, Mr. Vondi. We should not be the ones that push us. So that deepness leads to have that strength under control. And I think sometimes we are guilty of responding well, but not... Yes. 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 Very true. Not just being under control, temperate and meek in our response, but being meek and temperate in our how we initiate things. Specifically like we're not going around a temperate person, a meek person isn't going around pushing other people's buttons just to get a response out of them. And that's a really big issue in the family. Mr. Densmore? Yes, Did you catch that? Not only is it the temperance and the meekness, but in the initiating, it's coming with the love and the gentleness as well. So pushing people's buttons is not love and is not gentleness. And I could also say it's not goodness. Any other feedback thoughts? Okay. Well, let's pray together. And let's ask the Holy Spirit to help us. And if I may, I beg you to take this chapter as a family and talk through it. Seek to apply it. Look for times in your homes where the Spirit is not present, the fruits are not there, and call it out. And seek the Spirit of God and that He might bring forth fruit in your lives and in your homes. Gracious God, we need your help. We need your filling. We need your goodness. We need your love. We need your joy. We need your peace. We need your long sufferingness. We need your goodness. We need your faith. We need all of these fruits, and they are all yours. May we be but the earthen vessels whom you fill and use whom you bring forth these fruits in. Maybe we, may we be yielded to you in all things. I pray for each one of us as individuals that we would truly and honestly consider this truth. I pray for us all as families that the fruits of the Spirit, that you, dear Spirit of God, would reign in our homes. I think of the children who have not yet received the Spirit of God, dear spirit, move in their hearts, that they might see their need for you and for your fruit in their lives, that they would believe in you, trust in you, be saved, and be filled with you. We need you, great God. We praise you and worship you. We seek you, and we pray in your name now. Amen.